Hi, this is Steve Nerlick from Cheap Astronomy, and this is Dear Cheap Astronomy, Episode 65, Unusual Orbits. Here at Cheap Astronomy, it's true that we tend to go around and around the subject of orbits. But in this episode, we're going to cover some quite unusual orbits. For example, Dear Cheap Astronomy, How do stars in the galaxy orbit? There is something weird about how stars orbit around the Milky Way galaxy, and probably any other rotating galaxy. If you think about a standard disk galaxy, it certainly looks like all the stars are rotating about the centre. And to all intents and purposes, they really are. But the physics of it is totally different to how things work in, say, our solar system. In our solar system, around 99% of the entire solar system's mass is in the Sun. So it's hardly surprising to find that the motion of the few planets that orbit it are determined by the gravitational influence of that Sun. But in the Milky Way, it's all different. By and large, the orbital velocities of all stars at all different distances out from the centre are all about the same. That is about 230 kilometres a second. There are exceptions, of course. Stars right close in to the centre don't move that fast. But once you're outside those dense inner regions, the speed goes up to 230 kilometres a second, and it stays there fairly consistently right out to the edge, where you find those outermost stars do tend to move a tiny bit faster, maybe up to 250 kilometres a second. Of course, having the same orbital velocity doesn't mean that all the stars in the galaxy keep pace with each other. If all the stars in the galaxy had the same periodicity, then stars near the centre would have to move very, very slowly, and stars near the edge would have to move very, very fast, which is not what we see. So it's important to recognise the motion of stars in our galaxy is not mediated by gravity generated from its centre, the way that it works in the solar system. So Kepler's laws of planetary motion just don't hold. What actually does mediate the motion of stars in our galaxy is still a bit of a mystery. The motion of the outer stars is the biggest puzzle since the galaxy just doesn't have enough visible mass to produce the gravity well needed to keep those outer stars locked into the circular orbits we observe. That is, given the speed they're moving at, they should just fly off. So we invoke dark matter to explain it all. And we mostly need that dark matter in the outer parts of the galaxy. The dense, inner, visible parts of the galaxy look like they might have just enough mass density to hold the inner stars in their orbits, but the outer ones clearly need some kind of invisible mass to explain why they're not just flung out into the void. But that dark matter that we need to appeal to to explain what we observe is pretty weird stuff. It's invisible, which technically means it's transparent to visible light, but in fact it's also transparent to every wavelength of light, all the way from infrared to x-ray to gamma rays. And if you imagine that dark matter is some kind of invisible dust that the stars have to push through in their orbits, 
then those orbits should start decaying, the same way the orbit of a satellite around Earth would undergo decay when it comes into contact with the Earth's atmosphere. So not only can't you see dark matter, you can't really touch it either. So it's probably fair to say that dark matter is, and does, whatever it has to do to explain the motion of stars in a rotating galaxy. And when you dig into that idea a bit, dark matter does look like pretty strange stuff, being invisible, untouchable, and pretty much unmeasurable, apart from the gravity that it generates. Or maybe it's not totally weird. Neutrinos could fit that frame, since they're largely invisible and untouchable, and only just barely measurable. But apparently they don't have either the numbers, nor the mass, that could explain the movement of stars in our galaxy. So, here at Cheap Astronomy, we have no answers to offer. We just like to remind people that current cosmology's appeals to either dark matter or dark energy are in no way satisfactory explanations. All we can really say is that there's something going on out there that we can't explain, at least not yet. This is the middle bit. Dark matter and dark energy fit Donald Rumsfeld's classic exposition of the known knowns and the known unknowns, where we say we know there must be something going on here to explain what is measurably happening, we just don't know what it is. But we do know it's something. And after that mind-bending explanation, maybe it's time to look at something more mundane, and even measurable, like a black hole. Dear Cheap Astronomy, Why doesn't the image of the black hole in M87 look like the image of the black hole in the movie Interstellar? So the backstory here is that astronomers recently imaged the supermassive black hole within the elliptical galaxy M87, although when we say imaged, it's really radio telescope data converted into a visual light approximation. But it's still an image, just perhaps not exactly what you'd see if you parked your spacecraft out at a safe distance and took a peek. And of course we say that because the image of Gargantua, the supermassive black hole in the movie Interstellar, was intended to look exactly like what you'd see if you parked your spacecraft out at a safe distance and took a peek. The way it looks in the movie was advised by Nobel Prize winner Kip Thorne, who you'd think would know how it should look. In fact, everyone was right. Kip Thorne and the Event Horizon Telescope team, it's just that black holes will look different depending on the angle that you view them from. But let's go step by step through that. Firstly, black holes are black. They suck in light and they don't let any of that light back out. So the only black holes you can see are the ones with accretion disks. And even when a black hole has an accretion disk, it's still the case that you won't see anything unless light can get from that accretion disk back to your eye. So even outside the event horizon, there is a region where materials and the light emitted by those materials are inexorably falling inwards, so no light from that region ever comes back to your eye. This dark region extends out 2.6 Schwarzschild radii from the black hole centre 
where one Schwarzschild radius is where the event horizon is. The actual size of the Schwarzschild radius is determined by the mass of the black hole, at least for a black hole that's not spinning. If a black hole does spin, and most of them probably do, then those ratios won't be quite so exact, but the general principles still apply. In that region, outside the event horizon, but where an external observer can't see anything, there is a point where light spirals into a spherical orbit at about 1.5 Schwarzschild radii from the centre. So if you were there, you could look at the back of your head if you got all the angles right. Further in than that light orbit, light and matter are curved into even tighter paths, which ultimately take them down past the event horizon, and that's that. Further out, though, the accretion disk does become visible to a distant observer from about three Schwarzschild radii out from the black hole centre, but the disk's appearance is still affected by space-time curvature. Remembering that an accretion disk is a disk, if you see it edge-on, you'll see the disk's proximal edge crossing in front of the black hole. But you'll also see that disk's distal parts, because the light emitted from those distal parts is being bent towards an orbit around the black hole. So all that light comes around the black hole and back to you, because it's not quite close enough to get caught into an orbit, it just tends towards one and is consequently being bent around back towards you, the distant observer. So not only do you see the front of the disk edge on, you see two semicircles above and below the black hole, the one above representing the upper surface of the accretion disk behind the black hole, and the semicircle below representing the lower surface of the disk that's behind the black hole. And this is the image you see in the movie Interstellar. You see the front edge of the disk cutting across the black hole, and then the two surfaces of the back of the disk showing around either side, and hence forming a rough circle. The M87 Event Horizon Telescope image looks different to the black hole in Interstellar, because from Earth, we are seeing its accretion disk face-on rather than edge-on. So when we look at M87, there is no part of its accretion disk that's behind the black hole, so you just see what you'd expect an accretion disk to look like. A ring of bright material that surrounds a black centre, although that black centre is much bigger than the actual black hole event horizon, because there's also that 2.6 Schwarzschild radii region, where you can't actually see anything being sucked down towards the event horizon, even though it hasn't actually got there yet. It's also a common feature with accretion disks that one side will look brighter than the other. That's because everything in the disk is moving close to the speed of light, so the side where material is coming towards you will look brighter due to relativistic Doppler beaming, which won't happen on the other side, where all the material is moving away from you. They may have skipped over this bit with the interstellar image, but this does explain the bright splotches that are clearly visible on one side of the M87 image, which is a real image, not a movie. This is the end bit. So, there you go. 
There's some weird stuff going on in the universe, some of which we understand, and some of which we call known unknowns, to make it sound like we know what's going on, when in fact we have no idea. But that's it for another episode of Dear Cheap Astronomy. If you have no idea what's going on, and are tired of stumbling around in the dark, why not write to cheapastro at gmail.com and let us pretend that we know it all. Thanks for listening. Steve Nerlich, Cheap Astronomy.